They patrol the monuments to gridiron legends, but you better get the hell out of the way when they come rolling through. Randy Heights and Ryan Chapman are the Heisman Park Rangers, presented by the Highball Network. All right, Randy, it was a huge Halloween night for the Sooners in Lubbock. We're going to get to all that in a second, okay? But there's just there's just some stuff that's bigger than football right now, some stuff that's that's just bigger than what athletics is on the field, and I feel like we would be remiss if we didn't talk about it. So today being Sunday, um, the University of Oklahoma announced, along with the, uh, Dylan Buckingham's the first person I saw reported, our friend Dylan, that unfortunately the, coach, or the family of legendary coach Billy Tubbs uh, we learned earlier this week that he was checking into hospice care. Unfortunately, he did pass away this Sunday. And, and Randy, obviously, Billy Tubbs was before my time. But anytime I sit down with my parents and they talk about Oklahoma basketball, that 88 season in particular, both my parents were in college in that time. And my mom, every time we go to an OU game, my mom still talks about how she's like, man, Ryan, when I was in college, if you go to the Lloyd Noble Center and you cut it in half half of the half of the arena uh lower level and upper level were OU students she would talk about how the students waiting for billy ball would line up they had little punch cards for their student tickets and one person would line up and then go back outside and bring two or three more people in with their punch cards and overload the student section she was in the college of education randy and she talked about how her job was every week at the end of the <laughs> week all the stuff that was in their shred box she would shred it and bag it and then they would the take games. it to the bat for the games. They would take it to the game mm-hmm. so they could pass it out. So the students could throw it all in the air um, when it was time to announce the starting lineups. And it's just one of those. He's a legendary icon of not just Oklahoma sports, but just basketball in general. Everyone who came into contact with Billy Tubbs has nothing but incredible things to say about him. And there's a campaign that you are kind of oh, yeah. officially going to launch that we're going to put our full weight behind here. No doubt. I mean, I know you mentioned it on the last two days on Twitter, and I even took for the olds to Facebook today. The fact that Billy Tubbs is not Billy Tubbs court inside the Lloyd Noble Center. And I mentioned today, name the arena, and I get it. It's Lloyd Noble Center. You can't do that because, you know, I mean, they gave a big enough donation to build that before Billy even got there. So I get that. But name everything else men's basketball related. I am a OU graduate from 1996. But growing up in Norman, my brother and I, my brother is about nine years older than me. We had season tickets from 84 until the last year of Billy Billy Tubbs. And then they hired Kelvin Sampson and we immediately canceled our season tickets. And really, I've never been a season ticket holder since. You know, a styles clash. Oh, yeah. I mean, one that wants, you know, hey, if you can't sleep, watch Oklahoma basketball under the Sampson era. You'll be able to sleep a lot. That's let's not get into that because this is more about Billy Tubbs and I'm glad you brought it up because I wanted to, even though the football game, this is a podcast on OU. When you look at what Billy Tubbs brought to this program, it's so interesting because the Lloyd Noble Center is known as the house that Alvin Adams built and the one Wayman Tisdale filled. Well, a lot of people, if Wayman Tisdale, I mean, if Billy Tubbs isn't here, Wayman Tisdale doesn't come in to help build that arena. And, you know, it's kind of funny and interesting. We've had a lot of basketball coaches and greats pass away this year in 2020. And a lot of people don't realize this. Eddie Sutton, of course, was the other one I'm talking about in state. Legend, Hall of Famer, great coach at Arkansas, Kentucky, and, of course, Oklahoma State. But when Billy Tubbs got the job at Oklahoma, it was down between pretty much two people when he was hired. Billy Tubbs and John Thompson. And think about it. They both have passed away in, what, the last month and a half, two months? Right. I mean, and to be honest, what a difference it would have made. And I don't think it's for the good if they would have got John Thompson at Oklahoma. And that's nothing against what John did as a college coach. He was a great coach, won a national title, did great things with Georgetown. But the style of play Billy had, it's what brought people to Oklahoma basketball. I said it yesterday in two different tweets in different ways. If Billy Tubbs never comes to the University of Oklahoma as a basketball coach, I don't feel I'm out of line in saying there's no interest in Oklahoma basketball. Well, this is one of the things that people forget about this or they don't know about it. 
Mm-hmm. But if you start to go and look through the history books, when you talk basketball, when we get to March, yeah. Oklahoma, I don't know if right now they're at the top of the list, but a few years back when they were making their run with Jeff Capel and Blake Griffin, trigger warning, mm-hmm. um, the, the conversation on Oklahoma was the Sooners have won the most NCAA tournament games without winning a national title. I think they're still there, to be honest with you. And I, I they, they, yeah, they still might be there. And it's one of those things that the conversation around Oklahoma is always going to be OU football. Mm-hmm. In the last few years, you're going to throw in gymnastics. You're going to throw in both men's and women's gymnastics. You're going to throw in um, softball just because of, of the high level that they've competed at. But anytime you go through one of those lists in the offseason when we're killing time and we start talking about the greatest dual threat universities, the greatest mm-hmm. dual threat athletic departments, Oklahoma's always on that list. They're, their win loss record is is not given the national respect it should be kansas if uh, correct me if i'm wrong i'm pretty sure kansas is the only team in the big 12 historically with a winning record against the sooners in basketball because billy tubbs was a huge part of coming in being that guy he made ou basketball relevant in the 80s when barry switzer was here like it's not easy to do we've seen that with trey young it's very hard to fill that lloyd noble center when the football team is rolling in Norman and Billy Tubbs, he was that perfect guy. And I, Randy, I just can't imagine having guys like Billy Tubbs and Barry Switzer, just, you know, any given time Roman campus. Cause both of those are just electric personalities. Oh, I wish I was older and would have been doing that. You know, like I, I, again, mid nineties, that's when I finished college at OU, but you're right. I mean, and that's why I say John Thompson, Billy Tubbs, the reason Billy worked so much better, I think than John Thompson ever would have at Oklahoma was the simple fact of what you just said. Barry Switzer was on campus. Oklahoma football is king. I mean, no one thought twice about it. Growing up in Norman, even when Wayman Tisdale got there as a young kid, what got us into OU basketball, yes, it was Billy Tubbs, but it was also they had the you know, thought process Oklahoma did at the time, and I'm sure Billy was a big part of this. They televised all the non-conference games on News Channel 4 you know, back in the day. They were televising a lot of the games that weren't on national TV because we didn't have all the Fox Sports Southwest and all that. So you got you kind of got hooked into it. You saw the fun atmosphere, and they knew they had to do things to combat that football thing. Billy knew he had a great personality. He didn't have to be the number one guy on campus, but you know why he did with that personality? He made himself 1B in the Norman camp community. I mean, it was like Barry Switzer, Billy Tubbs. No doubt about it. There was no talk of anything else because you're right. And you talk about what he brought, the the electricity. Your mom was telling you those stories. There were times, I mean, we went to games, my brother and I, even before we had season tickets in Wayman's era, you would try to go to the big games. And a lot of people wouldn't think about this because I don't care if it was the Samson era, if it was the Capel era, or even the Kruger era, which some of those teams have been really good with the Buddy Hilde Final Four run. And the Hollis Price Final Four run with Samson. You couldn't find a ticket outside the arena for under $150, $200. And this was in the mid-80s, Ryan. And the face value on those tickets back then, oh, $15 max. You know, I mean, it was it was showtime. I mean, it's it's what drew people. I mean, you went right from football to, yeah, maybe when basketball started mid-November, it didn't get a lot of attention. But guess what? Mid-December, as soon as that final regular season football game was over and there was that month lull, they had big games coming in. UNLV came to town back in the Jerry Tarkanian thing. That was one of the best rivalries in college basketball back in the 80s. Oklahoma versus UNLV. Tark the Shark, another great personality. Billy Tubbs. I mean, those are crazy. And I know what's funny is everyone keeps putting up, because it was one of his more eclectic moments where he grabbed the mic and said, no matter how bad the officiating was, Please don't right. throw anything on the floor. And again, I was at that game. The noise that erupted at that moment, I think we all, there was like five of us sitting in an area. My brother and some other fans were like, what did he just say? And then like from that moment on, just exploded. And I think oh, you went on like an 18-0 run at that point in time. And Missouri knew it was over. But then what a lot of people don't forget about, because they've had some other good years. Again, back, even though I ripped Samson, he had some good teams. They were boring as hell, but he had some good teams. You had Buddy Hilde and the guys for Kruger that were phenomenal and the closest thing, in my opinion, to what Billy Tubbs did. But everyone forgets, God, I wish I could think of the year. Within a 
72-hour window, Ryan. This is how big, good the Big 12 was, too. They knock off number one Kansas inside the Lloyd, or number one Missouri inside the Lloyd Noble Center. And then and on Monday night, after playing on Saturday afternoon, oh, in comes number one Kansas. And OU runs them out of the Lloyd Noble Center. I mean, in the crowd, I remember for at least 15 minutes after the game, 12,000 fans still at the arena chanting, we're number one. I mean, granted, it didn't happen in the postseason form and everything, but that's the type of excitement probably we haven't seen around Oklahoma basketball since that day. And it's kind of sad, and that's why when people kind of rip OU basketball day nowadays, as someone that grew up knowing what greatness was as far as with Oklahoma basketball, it's one of the things that makes you sad, and you go, God, this is where the program has been. And, and kind of before Billy passed away, you always kind of hope, let's get him back to that level. That's what coach needs to see, because if you see the statement today, the university let out from the family, Billy, to the end, even when he left to go back to TCU, or not go back, but go to TCU, he was a diehard hard OU guy. He was rooting for OU to the end of day. He came back and did announcing with them after he quit coaching at Lamar for his second stint. You know what I mean? So he was an OU guy through and through in his family. I, I know Tommy Tubbs really well. He used to work with Ann Tubbs, his daughter-in-law, who's Tommy's wife. Great family. And you just want to pass along your condolences to him. It is sad OU didn't do anything for Billy before he passed away. And as much as I say it's a crying shame if they don't do it this year, I kind of understand that they don't do it this year because the moment they honor him is a moment that needs to be able to be done inside a full Lloyd Noble Center. It needs to be done in front of a packed crowd. It needs to be done either ahead of a matchup with TCU, ahead of a non-conference game hosting Lamar, or ahead of an unconference game hosting UNLV. Because I, I think that to to truly give it what it means to this program, what it means to Oklahoma basketball, if you're going to do it, this is one of those things I totally agree, Randy, that it, it needs to be done right. And and I don't think it would be the worst thing for um, you know the athletic department to come out and say, look, this is going to happen. It just probably isn't going to happen this year, so we can give it um, it, it's it's due. And and Randy, you talk about that that back to back number one games like. Every time we talk OU basketball, mm-hmm. like that's what lights my mom up. She remembers waiting. She basically uh, went into all of her classes and told the professor, um, OU Kansas is tonight. And they said, see you on Wednesday. And she went and she was the one for all of her friends that waited in line. She said she remembers at like one o'clock on that day, Billy Tubbs come into the line for the students bringing a bunch of pizzas. She said Mookie Blaylock was then, um, it wasn't Mookie at no, that it time. No, no, not it, Mookie, that, sorry. Was, it, that team was amazing, but anyway. Yeah, no, it was, um, oh shoot. Um, Smokey? I, don't remember, I don't remember who it was, but it was, it was another player that, that rolled through. Jackie at, Jones. Yeah. Um, it might've oh, it's probably Skeeter Henry. Yes. Skeeter. That's who yeah, it was. Sorry. Skeeter. Um, they were sent with more pizzas later on. Like, Billy knew how to um, market the team and he knew how to make every single one of those fans feel like a part of what was going on because they were because the Lloyd Noble Center used to be one of the more treacherous places in this conference to come play a basketball game. One of the one of the whole, biggest home court advantages in the country. And uh, it's just really unfortunate. Look, I think that um, my generation owns a lot of that, Randy, just because of how fandom has changed and and we can get up on a soapbox and gripe out students and all that. But when you have a product that's as fun to watch as Billy ball was, mm-hmm. it's not hard to sell. You pair that with an awesome personality and just the great people he brought in to be a part of those teams. Um, it's just something that every university hopes to, to capture that lightning in the bottle. And uh, with everything that's gone on in 2020, uh, this one hits really, really close to home just because even though I wasn't able to firsthand experience it, get being able to just see what it meant and going back and and watching those games that are on YouTube that way to, to try and kind of, you know, let it sink in to understand what I'm looking. You know what I mean? It, it's right. one of those things that um, you wish you were there. Yeah, no, it, it was phenomenal. And we could go on all and all, all day long about it because I, I can relive my days. There were so many games you watch Billy and you watch him play, and still the the hardest one I think for any OU fan was the '88, you know, national title game. I mean, far and away better than Kansas. Kansas was garbage that year, 
And that, to be honest, I'd said it before they lost it, so it's not even a bitter OU fan. And I, I said this, I would have been, what, in 88, 15 years old? And I said it back then, that the NCAA tournament is a crock. The reason I say that, it doesn't crown the best team in the country. It doesn't. I mean, it, it's it's fun to watch, and it's enjoyable because you get those upsets, and if your team's not playing Manning and the Miracles, it's fun to watch that team win. But when they're a garbage team that had pretty much been beat by Oklahoma, was it two times already that year? I thought it was three times. Three times, you're right, three times. You know, it's just nuts. Oh, one game, and they get the biggest trophy of all. When you play a best-of-seven series, okay, then you won your one. Guess what? You're going to run out of the gym the next three. I mean, back to that 88 team, you had, out of that starting lineup, four guys spent some time in the NBA. Three guys spent a long time in the NBA. So yeah, pr- pretty crazy to think about. But yeah, Billy's teams are always fun to watch. And, and some of OU basketball, you mentioned your generation. I blame you a little. And this is going to sound like a dig, but it's not because you talk about the entertainment and fun. Because back to Billy knew what he was going up against and the monster that was Oklahoma football. Granted, Oklahoma football was not winning titles and all that stuff when Kelvin came in in the 90s. But I think one reason he lost fans so fast what happened to the fun? Oh, crud. Yeah, you're winning games, but I'm not staying up to watch that. I don't need to watch whole, the rest of my match. A whole lot of dribbling. Right. And so that's, I think, what cost a lot of fans. And I feel bad for Lon. He's had to try to rebuild that. And I feel like as much people want to rip Capel, I feel like the Eric Blake Griffin kind of started to bring that back a little. And then, you know, we all know what happened to Capel's tenure. I feel like you know, Buddy Hilden and them really started to bring that electricity back. And then just unfortunately for law in the last few years, hasn't been able to put it back together. So yeah, some of it's on you guys, but I'll be honest with you. If that would have been the era brought in in the eighties, when my brother and I first got hooked on Oklahoma basketball and were wanting to go to games, guess what? We wouldn't have been wanting to go to games. Oh, it just matters what's happened on the OU football field. And for me on the baseball diamond in the spring. Nothing happens in the winter at Oklahoma. Move on. Who cares? Because it's boring. Right. It's fucking boring. I mean, I'll be honest. When I was working at the other station, the day Indiana hired Kelvin Sampson, I went celebrating through the hallways. Yeah. I I mean, thank God the plague is gone. The plague is gone. It was like when we get a vaccine for coronavirus. Party in the streets, baby. That's what I did when Kelvin Sampson left to go to Indiana. And I like Kelvin as a person, but his style and what he brought to Oklahoma basketball, it was like, oh, thank God, we're finally getting the vaccine. So just one last funny story, Kelvin story, and then we'll we'll get back to football, I promise. Um oh, that's right. so when when Houston this this uh last year or two when, Which when pisses Houston, me off because he plays more fun there than he ever did in Oklahoma. Next right. Go on, go but on. uh so Houston was playing. They were on their big. I think they were still unbeaten at the time. And the sideline reporter was talking about, you know, this Houston team prioritizes rebounding. And, and she talks about this mythical bubble drill where they have <laughs> entire scrimmages where all their the only way they can score points is rebounding. I was like, wait a minute. When I was when I was at their like little dribblers camp, I feel like I think that was the OU basketball camp thing. I remember right. doing I remember doing the bubble drill with Kelvin there when I was in like 2001, 2002. And then I was like, I wonder if Kelvin still has the same exact bubble lids because they just don't make them anymore. Because, you know, players like to learn how to shoot, not intentionally miss shots in practice these days. I don't know about you, but uh, I was just cracking up. because I was like, the more things change, the more they stay the same, Randy. You're just going to irritate me because, yes, the only thing is he's all of a sudden letting his athletes be athletes and play ball. I never could figure that out at Oklahoma. There were teams and I'm like, Hey, you guys are pretty good athletes. I'd always look at my brother and go, hey, you know, if Billy had this team, they'd be like 25 and one right now because they'd be running people out of the arena. Yeah, let Qantas White just get out in transition, please. But Okay, uh, and, and one other moment on Billy. The other thing I loved about him in his games and what was so funny because everyone made a big deal of it, and your mother's probably told you this. What I always loved is, okay, you've seen the early season football games, right, where they pull out the thermometer and they hold it up. I don't know how many big games the TV sideline reporter go and around Oklahoma, you know, at their arena, they, they're great endurance. They, they train in this all the time. And they would show like, it would be like with the full house, it's 98.9 in the arena at this point in time, people are sweating. You knew, I don't care if there was ice on the games. It would always funny. You knew you were watching an Oklahoma basketball game when they'd show outside 
And it'd be like this. I remember one year it was UNLV. There was an ice storm going on. Freezing, right? Just everyone in the arena had short sleeve t-shirts on and you'd see people in shorts because you knew going to the arena for that big game, oh, it's going to be a sauna. You don't want anything because you're going to be packed, sweating your rear off. And so, yeah, I mean, it was just fun. It, it was a different time. And I would I would give a lifetime to go back to that era because, again, Billy was the one coach that knew football's number one here. I'm okay with that. What can I do to make sure basketball doesn't lose focus as soon as football disappears? I don't want everyone flipping the page to spring football. And Billy did that. He found a way to master that. And that's how he got some really, really good players here. Did he ever get the number one players in the country? No. But he had some really dang good players that came through Oklahoma. Well, talking about, you know, the the, the well-heated Lloyd Noble Center, we move over to the football field, Randy, where that team in Norman appears to be heating up. The Sooners head down to Lubbock and basically run the Red Raiders through their own personal house of horrors. 62-28 to 28 is the final it was not that close. So Randy, the Red Raiders get the ball two minutes, quick strike. And you're just like, oh, God, what is happening? What is happening? Then the Sooners go on a 42 to nothing run, reel off 42 unanswered points along the way two Trey Norwood tip drill interceptions, a forced fumble, the the announcement of Ramondra Stevenson back into the Big 12 slate, Ronnie Perkins. Uh, taking people's souls along the defensive line. There's so much to get into here, Randy. What was your top line takeaway from this just skull dragging in Lubbock? Well, you know, I, I think exactly kind of, it's funny how you put it, the, fir- the first game, right? Or the first drive. You're sitting there watching one. Okay. I, and again, I've never made this defense out to be a world beater, but you're like, okay, Ronnie's back. Well, what's going on here? So it's trick-or-treat night. We have, we have trick-or-treaters coming by our house. I gave that first drive a Milky Way bar. I mean, that's about what it deserved. Milky Way. You know, it's not bad, but it's nothing you want, right? So that's kind of what I took away. The Milky Way bar. And then all of a sudden, you see the OU offense come out. It gets rolling. All of a sudden, the team's upgraded. Whoops. Props. <laughs> I got props. Hold on. We have, we have terror as visual gags on a podcast have derailed the actual audio medium for those of you for those of you wondering uh randy does have a milky way bar that he showed the camera he does have have a a kit kat Kat bar yes he has the kit kat so we're up to kit kat right and you're sitting there you're starting to feel good about things and then the defense comes out and we go right to the yeah, right twix. We got a right twix now. A right you know, twix. Okay. so so it's starting to progress to the better level. And as this game keeps going on, you're watching. You're like, wow, okay, tip drill, go in and score, easy peasy, nothing to it. Another trip drill. Oh, we're going to the Snickers bars now. I know they're not. A, it's an audio visual here, but anyway, Snickers we're, bars we're next. Committed, Randy. You know, committed. Yeah, I mean we're co- pod committed at this point. So it's moving right along, and then that tip drill interception. They take it in. We're all the way up to Reese's, so there's no holding this team back. It it was amazing to me to sit and watch this team because, again, we knew going in last week, we said, this potentially is going to be three bye weeks in a row for Oklahoma with some glorified scrimmages mixed in. And the thing I like about what that team, I text text somebody last night when they asked me, team's looking pretty good. And and here's what's funny because what I take away from it, it's almost reminded me of, because what? 10 minutes before that game was over, OSU gets beat by Texas. It's like somebody whispered into the team's ear after the first drive that they gave up a touchdown. Hey, guys, Oklahoma State lost. Oh, wait, we're back in this title race. And it's like they flipped a switch at that moment. Like instead of sleepwalking, just going, hey, we're going to go through the motions. Yeah, we're here. We're still the Big 12 champs. And we got a shot, a legit shot, to potentially go prove that now. Yeah, and I think, Randy... For me, it you can't understate the impact that this defensive line has had because they've been the best unit, the deepest unit on this team, and they've done all of that without their best player. Ronnie Perkins comes back in, and, and we've kind of talked about being iffy on the secondary. You know what conversation we're not having today? Anything about Buki Radley Hiles. Yeah. We're not we're likely if, if I hadn't talked about it right now, we likely weren't gonna mention the fact that Delarian Turner Yell was un, unable to play. The Mm -hmm. names Trey Brown, Jaden Davis, Woody Washington, not going to come up because the defensive line was so dominant 
they just let the secondary play loose and free. They're not having to cover for four or five seconds. They're forcing Columbia off his spot into a, into a bad situation, which is leading to these tipped passes and Trey Norwood holding on to the ball. They're outside of a few good plays by Sir Roderick Thompson, which we, we told you that Sir Roderick was, mm-hmm. it's a, he's a good back. You're not going to contain him all day. But and he they got did hurt. A, yeah. I mean, and he got yeah. hurt and, and they did a pretty decent job, you know, just uh, managing that. But, but from there on out, the Texas Tech offense for this is what Sooners fans have been hearkening for since since you know uh, Mike Stoops' defense kind of took a turn south. the The defense had been so bad they were unable to put away games. They were unable to give the offense any breathing room. Well, guess what? The offense didn't score on their first possession, and they were still up forty two to seven in the mm-hmm. second quarter. Like it's it's one of those things that I truly believe we're about to see this team kick it into another gear and take another turn because the way that they're winning these games is completely sustainable. And it is. And it's kind of what we said about Perkins all along. You and I were talking about it, that they needed him back. I mean, he is a great defensive lineman and makes them that much better, but that's what you had to like about getting him back. Even before they did this defensive line was good. And the one thing we always said about it, what's that going to do to make them better? Not only bringing in your best pass rusher, it's going to give them depth. All of a sudden, they can go almost eight deep across that line, for sure four deep at the defensive end position. And yeah, you drop off here and there, but you're going to have a mixed package where you can leave Thomas out there with Perkins or Benito out there with Stripling. I mean, all of a sudden, you've got a really, really good pass rusher with the developing guy on the other side. And in the case of leaving Thomas or Benito out there with Perkins, you've got two dominant guys coming off the end. And Winfrey, how about that play last night early on in the game where he just goes up the middle and blows up that play in the backfield? I mean, that's probably the most impressive thing is we knew that kid was going to be good, but it's the fact that it's not just pressure from the outside and so then the quarterback can easily step up because the middle is getting nothing. No, you, you have nowhere to go. And so that's what I've liked out of this line. And I do. I see good things. And it's one of those... You try to temper expectations because, again, TCU's not great. We knew Texas Tech's not great. But what I hearken back to when we talk about this defense was saying those exact things right there, Ryan. Those exact same teams for the last several years scored 45 points on them. Right. Or the defense couldn't get any pass rush and maybe they would win 62 to 35. But that 35 was being scored throughout the game, not after eight minutes in the third quarter when they decided, oh, let's take everyone out and sit them down on the bench. Yeah, not 14 fourth quarter points. Right, right. So, I mean, that. so that's where I look at this and I go, all right, let's all cool our jets. Let's breathe. They got another crappy team in Kansas. But with how their schedule marks down, and I know every OSU fan will rip me for this, there is no way they're not favored in every game remaining on their schedule. Well, Spencer Sanders just pooped his pants putting that tape on. If he happened to look ahead at all, because it, it, seriously, Randy, if you're an offensive coordinator going up against this Oklahoma defense and you see a package, that exact package you described, you see Isaiah Thomas, mm-hmm. you see Perion Winfrey, Ronnie Perkins, you see Benito. Hell, if, if we didn't see LaRon Stokes, he was in, in street clothes on the sideline, you see LaRon Stokes. Okay, so now you're asking yourself, Shit, guys, who do we double team? Yeah. Okay, okay, we can't double anyone. So now we have to bring a tight end or a fullback in to, to chip and help out and go into max protect. Now, all of a sudden, instead of trying to take advantage of a Trey Brown or take advantage of a Buki who you think you might have a matchup with, okay, well, sorry, we can only split out two wide receivers and maybe release someone else out of the backfield. Well, all of a sudden, the Oklahoma secondary is not having to cover as long. It becomes a lot simpler. You're limiting the the looks that you can throw at this defense to try to confuse them. And, and you're having to take your dynamic playmakers off the field. It is, I think it's going to be fascinating how Mike Gundy, Casey Dunn, and that offense load up to attack this defense because that's the team that has enough playmakers that you think can really stretch this Oklahoma defense. Tyon Wallace is going to be an absolute headache nightmare for sure. But outside of that, are you going to be able to put that many weapons on the field or are you going to have to load up on cowboy backs and say, we're just going to have to win with Jelani Woods and, and, and hope that we can find something to take advantage. Cause otherwise Spencer Sanders is again, going to be running for his life. And he's proven time and time again, when he's in that situation, he's going to give you a few turnovers on a silver platter. And can I just say this? 
we can, I mean, I get what you're saying about Spencer, but I'm not going to criticize him because when he was doing that, he was running for his life. For sure. Against a very bad Texas team. Yes. A very bad Texas defensive team. Let's not forget this. That was a bad defensive team from Texas. Texas is Osiris the world. Yeah. I mean, so he was running for his life there. And so we'll, we'll talk OSU probably for the next three weeks just because we got Kansas and a bye week. And then it, then it's Bedlam. But yeah, he's going to run for his life. And I'm not going to blame all of them. And what's going to be funny, there's going to be OSU fans campaigning for Illingworth being in there. Then and I'm just like... That'll be a disaster, bro. I'm like, oh, I beg you, OSU fans. I beg you, Mike Gundy, put in Illingworth. Because I feel sorry for that freshman at that point in time because he's going to die. Yes, I mean, a, a soul will be grabbed. Yeah, because he's going to get killed because of exactly what you're talking about. Because the one difference that makes you worry, even though he's made mistakes, is Sanders can run away. He's a hell of an athlete. He can run. He can make some plays on the fly. So maybe he gets outside the pocket and he doesn't make a run throw, but he runs for 10 yards. Guess what? Illinois is not doing that because you know that's the campaign after this past week. Right. Even though he goes for 400 yards. So it kind of shows you what OSU fans know about football. But, you know, I mean, let's be real. They let Sam Mays play there. I'm uh, just well. kidding, Sam. I'm kidding, Sam. Anyway. But you get what I'm saying. I mean, so that that's that's going to be the thing. That's the one thing I like about this defensive line. I still think mobile quarterbacks can potentially hurt them, but they're not going to kill them like they used to. For sure, for sure. And I mean, hell, uh, of anyone in this conference, we saw Ronnie Perkins run Sir Roderick Thompson down mm-hmm. from behind. You're which was me, amazing. Yeah, which was amazing. You're telling me that uh, that's not going to stick in the mind of any quarterback in the Big 12 saying, okay, look, I might be able to evade the pressure, but all of a sudden I need to make sure I've got that ball tucked because you could have, who knows, who knows who is coming from behind me hunting down some, uh, some yeah, quarterbacks. And, and the linebacker position, I mean, it's funny. We don't talk about them, but the way White and Osmoa were playing yesterday, Filling those gaps, being athletic, running down the field. and Being honest, this is the best. And I felt this way, even in their two losses, the people were ripping the defense. I just didn't feel like we'd talked about it. I didn't feel like they'd gotten complimentary football. The defense, I wasn't saying played great back then, but they were a lot better than people were letting on. They were just getting, they weren't getting a lot of help at the right times. Hey, we need a five minute drive to give these guys some rest. We need a score to kind of boost their confidence. Oklahoma wasn't giving them that on the offensive side. All of a sudden now, Ryan, it's complimentary all over the place. Again, you go back to that first drive for OU. It started like a train wreck, and then the defense gives up the touchdown, right? Well, what would the offense do go? Okay, we got you. Don't worry. They go down and score, and right after they scored, it was Katie bar the door. The defense is like, all right, we're all here to play. Let's go do something right now. And they did something. They caused some damage is what they did. Yeah, it's just one of those things that if you're everyone else in the Big 12 conference, you're sitting there going, who the hell gave OU, TCU, Texas Tech, and Kansas in a row? Because what we're seeing now is this team is taking steps. We've had this conversation, Randy. This is not new to anyone in the OU podcast world. In the OU media world, this is a young team trying to figure it out. Well, now all of a sudden, you're looking down the barrel, unless we see something catastrophic next week, of three dominant performances from the Sooners in a row. They're going to get rolling and then they're going to head into a bye week and enough people are playing well that they're going to head into a bye week where I find it almost impossible for this team to get complacent because there's going to be a lot of people playing for playing time because of how just competitive this squad is. This is one of those things that this young team is growing up fast and they're going to be playing that Bedlam game with more confidence than we've seen them already. Randy, I can't believe we've got this far. We haven't even talked about the impact that Ramondre Stevenson has had mm-hmm. the or the game that uh, Spencer Rattler had. I think that you know is a testament to what this defense did, but you flip the page to the offense. Ramondre Stevenson, he only had 13 carries, but he didn't need many more. He clocked 87 yards, three touchdowns. He got that average 6.7 yards per carry. He, he's been the missing piece in this run game. I, I truly believe if you have Ramondre Stevenson against the Wildcats or in Ames, the Sooners are undefeated right now because those we talk about those second and third and shorts in big moments where Oklahoma, the offense was unable to get that first down and score and give the ball back to the defense with a lead. Ramondre Stevenson's the dude that 
you get him to the line of scrimmage, he's going to fall forward for those two yards, three plays in a row and get you that first down. And he's going to extend those uh, drives and probably help you win those games. Fully agree with you. And I agree, but I'll still go back to this to my dying day. If they play Harrison, majority of those games, Pledger had shown he can do it. He even had one of the tough touchdown runs yesterday. And again, Stevenson by far, he's an NFL back. I mean, absolutely. You, what you saw yesterday, you're like, because I thought all along, like, hey, if he only plays, you know, five games, he may come back next year. And that said, he may come back next year still because he gets the year back. But at the same time, with that power speed package, and he's a pretty good receiver out of the backfield, right? He's going to be in fairly high demand, I feel like, in the NFL draft for the running back spot. So I don't see him back, but you're right. They have him. It's a guaranteed win. And he even made Swenson look halfway decent in run blocking yesterday. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I'm not trying to replicate because he's out there busting his ass. But, you know, we agree that he's not the best of the offensive linemen. And so Stevenson helped overcome some of that, not just from, you know, one guy, but from that whole line. It helps them all out. Right. And then he helped out his young quarterback, too, as we just keep seeing Spencer Rattler from the moment that he had to ride the pine in the cotton bowl. He has been unreal, no turnovers. And I'm sorry, guys, he only averaged 9.6 yards per completion this week. Again, 21 of 30, 288, very efficient, two touchdowns, a 90.5 QBR of those nine incompletions. You easily had two touchdown drops. Mm -hmm. Um, It's one of those things that Spencer Rattler looks confident he looks in control, and I, we are starting to see the maturation of everything we've been told. All this hype that's been laid at Spencer Rattler's feet, you have seen it over the past two weeks plus the overtimes in the Cotton Bowl, and it's none of those things. Similarly, you hate to see this kid get confident if you're the rest of the conference because mm-hmm. it's going to be uh, a lot of trouble in a hurry. No, no doubt. And, you know, back to how I've ripped OU fans in the past, some of them are idiots because I, I do have a Facebook account. I, I just kind of joined some of the groups just Bless to see what story. fans are saying. You know, I never comment on them because I'd be like, please, please just leave this world is what I tell some of them. Somebody yesterday, right before the who's going to tell Spencer Rattler he's no longer the starter when Caleb Williams gets there? And I'm not ripping Caleb Williams, but I'm like, dude. <laughs> Nobody is telling Spencer Rattler dude, anything. What Whatever you're on. It's not legal, even with a medical card in Oklahoma. Uh, Randy, to, I'm to like, be fair, we we haven't seen Superman play football in any of the movies, so we don't we don't know what that looks like. But yeah, I know. But let's be real. Caleb Williams, I think, will be a really good quarterback because, based on what we've seen with Riley, any quarterback that comes under his tutelage is going to be really good. But I'm like, you're going to have Spencer Rattler with ten games under his belt. Uh, yeah, he's the starter next year. And I'm to the edge right now if he continues. And this is all if, one big if, if he continues to progress like he has this year through the rest of this year, Ryan, he's going to the NFL after next season. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, mean, because he's going to be that good. Yeah, he's if he continues to progress, and it, at some point I'm curious to see if we'll see a ceiling. We We haven't seen one yet. Um, it's just one of those things that this is Lincoln Riley's handpicked quarterback. Yeah. We are finally seeing Lincoln's guy. Can uh, do, Randy, do you think we can officially bury the Oklahoma can only win with transfer quarterbacks? Like, oh, are I we to that so. point? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Okay. We can, so. we can bury it. We can leave it in Lubbock, but it, it's one of those things that uh, he, he wasn't helped too. There were some drops by this young oh, wide yeah. receiving core, but I think overall, Randy, they played really well too. Theo Weiss, career high, 105 yards. Austin Stogner had a bounce back game. I thought if we want to call it that, which high bar for him if, if, to call it a bounce back game, 77 yards, a touchdown. I mean, Mims was good. He did. He did have that little drop there, but it, it's one of those things that Rattler, this is what we wanted to see out of him, Randy. Sure. Mm-hmm. He's still passing up a little bit of the underneath stuff to go for the deep ball, but he's doing that. Because this offensive line has been so pristine in pass protection in the last two games, you can tell that Rattler knows he's got his four seconds. And you know what? Once he kind of feels the pressure around him, he might say, 
I might have a little bit more if I want to go down the field and go for a, a bomb. And, and it's one of those things that it'll be, we have to see if he can make the right decisions against Oklahoma state and just continue to move the ball down the field against a very good defensive unit. That'll be the next big test for Spencer. I was going to say, and that's what, that's what I was going to bring up because again, after watching yesterday's game, OSU's defense is good. It's not great by any stretch, but I think he will have to make some of those decisions a little quicker than he has the last couple of weeks. Because you mentioned going for the deep ball. I think it's really easy to go, I'm going to wait and go for the deep ball when you know you're that much better than your opponent and you know your guys are. And so he's going to have to make those decisions a little quicker. But from what I've seen from his progression is the way he's grown, I don't see any reason he won't be able to do that. I mean, anything can happen, but the way he just, he's comfortable in the pocket too. I, I don't remember seeing a young quarterback, and granted, Trevor Lawrence was, but he still wasn't putting up the numbers at Clemson. And he was playing in a bad ACC team as a freshman. He was doing well. But, you know, he took some time getting rattled. This kid just seems like he's got, hey, okay, I'm good. I'm good. And think about it. He got benched against Texas. And he came back the second half. And he wasn't rattled. How many young guys do you know from watching football in your days that if you bounced your freshman, He's not going to come back and put up numbers. He's going to be a game manager. And yeah, he didn't do huge things. But when you focus on that overtime in Texas game, Rattler was more than a game manager at that point in time. There aren't many freshman quarterbacks that were going, I got this. I got this. Or said what he did. And he said it in the press conference yesterday. What he says on Friday night going into Lubbock where Oklahoma's had issues. Let's go embarrass somebody. I mean, that's your freshman quarterback. And I think it it says something, too, that he felt comfortable as the freshman to get up in that meeting room. A, a lot of guys who have been in the trenches in a team that's been to the college football playoff how many years in a row? They have played in way bigger games than Spencer Rattler mm-hmm. has played. And if we're going to not counting last year's college football playoff game, whatever. Um, they at least suited up on one. Yeah, exactly. They they. They played in them. They actually played big roles. They weren't the emergent. They weren't the you know quarterback to throw in the game for recruiting. So I can tell these freshmen, look, you played in a college football playoff game, all that stuff. And, and to get up there and to have the huevos to basically be like, all right, we're going to go embarrass somebody. I, I just think that that says you've got that Baker Mayfield style personality back in charge. And you've got a guy that is flashing way higher potential than baker did early in his years baker was good as a freshman he had the turnover problems spencer has had the turnover problems he's adjusted we'll see if they pop up in that game and still or not in stillwater against norman against uh in norman against osu talking is hard three two one we'll see if they if they you know repopulate there but for now it looks like he's taking care of the football and he is shredding teams and it looks like he's barely even breaking a sweat like that's the most impressive thing to me is that he He's just like, oh, yeah, roll out of bed, throw for almost 300 yards, put up 40 points, get out in the third quarter and hang out. Like, what more can you ask from a young kid? Yeah, no, and and that's the thing. I'm like, you. he's going to face a better team in Oklahoma State that's got a little bit better defense, that's going to be able to do some things. The key is, does he make those same mistakes? Because here's the thing. He's not going to go the rest of the year without a turnover. But also a lot of young quarterbacks, whether they're playing average teams or great teams, they wouldn't have gone these last two games performing. I mean, you saw that stat they put up in the graphic, right, in the game? Yeah. Where it was like, since the Texas benching, no interceptions and six touchdowns. Yeah, that's that's pretty good. Think about that. That was since the benching. So that's now two games and two quarters plus four overtimes. Yeah, and, and it's also when with uh... – you know, four touchdowns on the ground getting vulched from his passing totals, which in years past, you know, if if you have that quick strike all the way down the field, you're you're going to, you know, run up your passing numbers. And it's just one of those things, Randy, that you start looking down this schedule. And like you kind of alluded to with that result in Stillwater, the path becomes very clear for Oklahoma. You went out uh-huh. and then all you need is two of Iowa State's Oklahoma State or Texas to beat Kansas State with that freshman quarterback and you're in Arlington and I don't know who's going to beat this team if they keep playing like this exactly and I'll say this not only the scenario you said I think two things Oklahoma fans should become fans of right now the Cyclones went out 
Just go win. Just I know you got one loss. You don't need two losses. Have Congratulations. Loss. You can yeah. wear your home jerseys in the Big 12 championship game. Exactly. A, a great accomplishment for Iowa State. Exactly. Just go win the rest of your regular season games. Because then, Oklahoma, you just take care of business. Because, unfortunately for Kansas State, if Skylar Thompson's healthy and playing the rest of the year, I don't know what may happen. I'm going to be honest. Because he did give them that certain grit and toughness and everything. The je ne sais quoi. Right. I think we finally saw, because they played Kansas the week before, we finally saw, hey, West Virginia's not great, but this is what teams are going to be able to do against Kansas State now. Because, again, this is a West Virginia team that Tech, which we saw yesterday, not great, that Tech beat. Yeah. Kansas State got handed to them. And it's one of those things, too, that uh, that Oklahoma State lost. Now their next opponent is the Wildcats. They come into that mm-hmm. game pissed off, looking to prove a point. You can just check one loss off the right. list if you need to. It's all going to come down to that Bedlam game. I mean, after that, OU goes on the road to West Virginia. Um, similar to Lubbock, you can have the moniker weird things happen in Morgantown. Oklahoma has not lost to West Virginia since they've come into the Big 12 oh, Conference. Don't jinx in it. Don't I'm, jinx just, it. I'm just saying you can say Because I was in Phoenix at that Fiesta Bowl. Don't jinx it. There's still... I, there's Look, still re- residual PSD from that game. I was there too. Not a fun time. I'm just, I'm just saying. I think that Landry Jones, of all people, exercised those demons with that audible slant to Kenny Stills, which made me poop my pants because I was like, "Oh my god, is Landry changing the plate? Not this. This cannot end well." But uh, <laughs> Landry Jones couldn't exercise the demons out of anything. <sighs> all right, you, you ready for you ready for this? You ready for this? Uh, Spencer San- and Landry on an island together. Spencer Sanders is just 2020 Landry. Tell me I'm wrong. Really? That's oh, you're wrong. Well, you're I'm wrong. I'm telling you, man. Look, if Landry Jones was a, a 2020 quarterback, he'd have to be a lot more mobile. But Spencer Sanders has those flashes on the high end. Oh, uh, sorry, sorry, Spencer. I just heard, I think I just no, no, when no, you mentioned, no, 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 you mentioned you're right. Okay, I, I'll We're give you that. Maybe Oklahoma State quarterback Spencer Sanders, not not Rattler. I got yeah. the names intentionally correct. I just I I I I black out anytime I hear Landry Jones. <laughs> it's just like fudge. I, I, I better him. get drunk. We're talking Landry Jones. I don't blame. You. I was there in Lincoln when he threw five interceptions. And hey, look, and- it's a big game. Landry's going to throw to the other team twelve <laughs> times. I, where he met Indomitian Sue and became close personal friends. Like uh, it, it was cold. I think he got a tea bag that day. <laughs> Wouldn't be the first time, unfortunately. But it's it's just one of those things that this Sooners team look that they're, they're getting hot. They're doing that thing that OU teams do, which is get better and better as the years go on. It's starting to look a lot like 2016. And like this is a question I asked Christine Butterfield. Um, I'm going to ask you, Randy. If the Sooners are able to win out, if they get that sixth straight Big 12 championship, if not now, when? Because 2021 is when we've got a national championship circled as far as taking that step forward. Who in the Big 12 is going to topple Lincoln Riley in Oklahoma? Like, it's going to get to seven, maybe eight after that with Caleb Williams coming? Like, what's going to happen first? Lincoln Riley leaves Oklahoma or another team wins a Big 12 championship? To be honest, I I love the way everyone wants to talk about Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma. What's he making this year? Well, before they did the percentage cut because of COVID, but yeah, seven, seven million. Yeah. A healthy chunk of change. Yeah. And he, you can tell he genuinely enjoys recruiting and I'll be one. I know Dylan on the franchise always talks about it. he thinks he wants the challenge of the NFL. And I think maybe he does. I don't look for him to go anytime soon. You can wait 10, 12 years before going to the NFL. And still be 40. Exactly. That's the thing. And it's like, so I, I think probably not lo- winning the Big 12 comes first because I don't think he's going anywhere soon because I think he likes the idea. And it's kind of always the reason I always said, my dog's passing out on the floor over here. I think, you know, it's kind of the reason always people used to say the same thing about Bob, that he's going to the NFL. There's something to be said when a coach has your ear. And I think Link, Bob's got Lincoln's ear going. And I think Steve Spurrier had Bob's ear at the time. Hey, you know what? The next level is not necessarily all it's cracked up to be. If you go here and you 
win a title, and especially in Riley's situation, if he could potentially win two titles, you're golden for the rest of your life. Well, Build I, a ten million dollar mansion, and you don't. You can do whatever you want. I have been. You're never going to pay for anything here again. Yeah, it's, I was going to say I've been inside Seven Elevens when Barry Switzer rolls through. He walks up to the counter, mm-hmm. puts his stuff on the counter, and then the cashier smiles and said, "King, you know this. Your money's no good here." And Barry's just like, "I appreciate you all that stuff," and I'm just like, "That that's what you could." You could be you, you could be that dude in 10, 20 years. You can have another one of those statues out there. You know, it's just it, it's just like looking down up and down the slate. Like, I'm not impressed with what I've seen out of the Big 12 Conference. OSU, if no. they can't if they can't topple the Sooners this year. OK, well, you, Tylen Wallace and Chuba Hubbard are moving on. That's a big blow there. Um, you look at Iowa State. OK, next Michigan head coach. Is that like what are we? what's matt campbell doing like if it's not this year and even then when you say that it's unless they do it this year they're not doing it next year i mean look at this conference from top to bottom and i and what's sad in saying that right in saying that when you talk about that this conference has gotten better right those bottom teams have gotten better but what you're starting to see if they don't do it this year guess what Oklahoma is taking it to another level, and they've gotten better because look at the defense. Now, Grinch leaves, and maybe something doesn't work out right with the whoever they bring into defense or coordinator. Maybe it could go back to that way. But with the direction the defense is on, holy cow. Yeah, it's it's hard not to be excited about the future in Norman despite this young team, and and people are going to look back on this year regardless of if, it, if they're able to finish it off and and win a Big 12 title, they're going to look back and say, you know, whatever happens next two or three years, it started in 2020. It started with that adversity they faced early in the season, and they laid the groundwork. And like I've said on this podcast before, the great thing is we have become accustomed to, at Oklahoma, with an Eric Stryker, with an Oba Okoronkwo, a guy emerges on the defense, you know, midway through their junior season, then you get one more year of them. You get a free year of all these guys, and other than Ronnie Perkins, who, uh, much like Ramondre Stevenson, you might have to get in his ear and say, hey, buddy, uh, I know the NFL will be calling, but imagine what you could do with one more full year. You can make a run of national title, stuff like that. Like Perrion Winfrey, going to be here for another year, we'd think. Isaiah Thomas, definitely. Um, you know, Obviously, Nick Benito, guys like that. Like You're getting this defense back, in, and you're actually laying the groundwork of guys that will be here for the next two or three years and, and you start working that depth in something that OU's not been mm-hmm. able to do, then all of a sudden guys are emerging as sophomores instead of juniors. And, and it just, it sets that timeline to be great. Well, and I think what's great about it is, and you mentioned Perkins. I think he's an interesting one because I think he may be able to e- easier to convince to come back potentially than Stevenson, because for a running back to go in that first round, you have to be extremely, extremely special. And what I'm meaning by that is, I'm not, this isn't a criticism of Stevenson, but let's say he grades out as a third round back this year. More than likely, what? He gets lucky to move up to mid second round next year. Right. I mean, because the NFL just doesn't take a ton of guys in the first round at the running back position. Ronnie Perkins playing a half season, still a little bit undersized. He may grade out in the third round. But guess what, Ronnie, you come back and play a full season and you dominate now that you're not the only guy and it frees you up to be more that freelance guy. And all of a sudden, hey, you lead the Big 12 in sacks. You're that first round draft pick. All of a sudden, those type of dollar signs go off in your head and you're like, yeah, guess what? It's worth me playing 12 more games in college. Stevenson, maybe not. Even though I think he might come back, I just think it's easier to convince Perkins than it is Stevenson. But with all that being said, here's the thing I don't think a lot of people realize, and we don't know about any of these kids. So many of those kids make that decision what they're going to do in their head midway through this semester, and they've already checked out of school. And so then maybe it's just pointless anyway. Right. I, I think the biggest strength is if you can bring back Perion Winfrey and Ronnie Perkins, and them in a room together and say, hey, look at what you guys did in that back half of the season plan together. Would you like to put a whole season of this on tape mm-hmm. for the next level? And uh, even, I mean, look, do we want to go down this weird tangent? 
even if Ramondre Stevenson goes to the league, the rumor mill oh, yeah. says that Kennedy Brooks, uh, who reportedly opted out of the season, very good chance that he does not move on to the next level and comes back next year. That was what was initial. That's what I initially saw tossed around. Now, obviously, it's rumors and things like that. Reading the tea leaves, but that's not out of the realm of possibility that you can still have that experience number one back with with all these backs behind them. We get another year of TJ Pledger, another year of McGowan, all that stuff. Like well, you're in good hey, shape. And I know he hasn't committed yet, but let's not forget the number one back in the country. Yes, Kamari Wheaton. I mean, Kamari Wheaton. I mean, the murmur mill is pretty much he's OU's to lose. I mean, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Well, it sounds like Alabama's coming on strong. I know people are going to have are, yeah. PTSD, but if you can outlast the Crimson Tide, right. DeMarco Murray was basically brought in to go get that dude. DeMarco Murray well, goes and gets that dude, and all of a sudden... And I'll be honest, I there's a part of me, I'll be shocked if he does, doesn't come to Oklahoma. I know they're coming on, they've been recruiting him, but even when you follow the you know, recruiting experts, no one's wavered really on the insiders, the true insiders. And I don't mean just Oklahoma. I'm talking about the overall. So yeah, the the running back room is deep. And and you mentioned the other guys that are already on campus. I mean, and I think they're in a position this year because you talk about depth when we talk about Perkins. Yeah, it would suck if he doesn't come back because they've got a chance to be next level. But with the depth they're developing this year, Ryan, it's not like those years past where that one guy leaves and they're literally scratching their head going, boy, I hope this kid can step up and fill in for Ronnie. No, guess what? You've had a half season of guys developing into that guy. So it will hurt, but that's also the good thing about this team when looking at the next year. A lot of these guys that may have to replace, let's say, a Stevenson and a Perkins, they're already stepping up to do that this year. So that gives you positive vibes for next year. Yeah, for sure, for sure. It's hard not to be excited. Uh, the future is really bright. One last thing before we get out of here, Randy. Uh, Tom Herman by himself another year? You still think he gets the can at the end oh, of the Oh, I show. hope he did. I hope he did. But Hashtag extend Tom Herman. Exactly. I'll tell you this much. I don't know if it did or not because I know this much. If I'm the athletic director at the University of Texas right now, and granted, you can't go by everything on Twitter, right? But if I look and I see, oh, look, the recruiting coordinator for my football program. Oh, what's he favoriting? Oh, Billy Bowman, who was committed to the University of Texas. Oh, he's announcing he's committing to Oklahoma. Oh, wait, my recruiting coordinator favorited that tweet. Oops. Uh, What? Carrington, what are you doing? To me, that says, I'm being honest, in some ways, I almost think they all know they're out because why would you do that? I mean, yeah, it's wild. Unless you're trying to get a job on Lincoln Riley's staff. Are you working to get on his staff or something? You're like, get me out of this sinking ship. Please come get me. It's one of those things where it's like, I guess you're trying to continue to maintain the good relationship in case you feel like you can get back into it and flip it. But I feel like that boat has sailed at this point. It's, it's wild. No, don't know what's going on in Austin, but I guess good for them. They they had they had some good feelings coming off of Saturday. I I mean it blows my mind because so did he did he buy a year? The only thing that may have saved him from buying a year, to be honest, is COVID. Then maybe the donors don't want to step up and buy him out. If they lose yesterday, I'm one that's I've told people. I don't give a crap what's going on with the amount of money Texas has in donors. If they would have lost yesterday, especially if they, like some people thought, oh, she was going to blow them out, which I was like, really? Okay. Whatever dream world you're on, you know, made no sense. If they'd have got blown out, oh, there would have been checks being, they'd have been calling up going, how much did you need? Oh, wait, I got five other friends are going to donate the equal amount. Can we get rid of this guy? Right. That's all it would have taken. So the win may have because of COVID. It'll be interesting to see how eager people are with their checkbooks. But also in saying that, they're four and two. If all of a sudden they turn around and they lose four more games, eh, you know, I don't know. Yeah, for sure. And it's also one of those things that uh, they get it rolling here. Texas is another team. Like, it's not out of the question that OU Texas is our Big 12 championship game. It will be kind of a wild, you know, 
uh, path to get there, but uh, it's certainly not too late for the horns to turn it around. But let's be honest, Texas got blown out of that game. If it weren't mm-hmm. for the turnovers that they forced, like I have it written down here, Randy, um, you look at the yardage OSU 530 yards to 280 for the Longhorns. Mm. It's just one of those things that look, you have to give a ton of respect to Sam Ellinger because of what he does late in games. It is. um, It's just amazing that he's one of those few guys that doesn't matter how good or bad he's been. You feel like if Texas gets the ball back with two or three minutes left down a touchdown, they're at least going to get to overtime, something like that. It's wild, but other than that, OSU was played out of that, or OSU played Texas out of Boone Pickens Stadium, if not for the turnovers. And I know you can't take away turnovers, can't take away kick return. It's part of the game, but it's just one of those things that you don't know if this is uh, easily replicable. It's not like Oklahoma, where you say yes, the, the blowout was aided by the turnovers, but this is not like some fluke style of football. Like this is, we've seen the pieces of this. They were just able to put it together all in one night. And I'll say this about that game yesterday for Oklahoma State. It's funny in watching it. I watched the first three quarters and like the first five minutes of the fourth quarter, and I had to listen to the rest of it on the radio. Those numbers, it was crazy to think because as watching that game, you, I never felt like Texas was out of it, even though, like you say, Oklahoma State's numbers offensively far surpassing. But at the same time, you're like, okay, okay. And to be honest, Oklahoma State, I was dying because I got home to watch the last two minutes of the game, I think it was. And I was sitting there watching that last two minutes. Texas is up. They'd scored that touchdown, you know, to take the lead. And OSU gets the ball. And I'm watching it. I had flashbacks of OU inside the Cotton Bowl. And I couldn't believe that Ash was doing that. All of a sudden, what Texas had done to keep them in it in the fourth quarter, you know, four-man rush, keeping some pressure on, making Sanders make mistakes. All of a sudden, OSU just needs to get to field goal range to tie it, right? They're not even trying to win it. They're trying to tie it. All of a sudden, three-man rush, back off the receivers, because you mentioned Tylen Wallace. I'm like, what are you – I'm like, rush. The, Let Osai cook. He's been, he's been going off, and that's what, that's what won it for in overtime. Covers you yeah, because blitz. you look at overtime, they went, you know what? All right, we shouldn't be in this spot. We're going to blitz. And what they do, they destroyed, and it wasn't Sanders they destroyed. They destroyed that offensive line because if there's a weak point on OSU, that offensive line, average at best, would you say? Yes, yes, absolutely. They, uh, they've they've been fine this season, but we found out that they haven't played anybody. We didn't find out. Anyone with a head on their shoulders looked at their schedule, which I give you credit on the franchise this week, you know, when you came in and filled in a couple of days. You said that. I mean, Ryan, they played crap. Hey, let's see. Garbage one, garbage two, garbage three. And Iowa State, who's pretty good, but at the same time, and I know everyone says, take away the two long runs. They gave up 180 yards to Brees Hall. Right. I'm like, and that's on the defensive side, I know. But then the offense, Iowa State was able to do some things defensively to them as well. It's like, oh my God, just people they played nobody and it doesn't mean they can't win out so i'm not discounting i'm like oh they're a crap team i don't mean that but it's just insane to think how people because we'll admit big 12 is not great right for sure how people in a year where they're everyone's just playing pretty much conference only wants to jump on a bandwagon of one team because maybe their schedule is light loaded with cupcakes to start the big 12 and bag on somebody else when they start with maybe the better teams or the middle of the pack teams. I mean, it's like, just makes no sense. I think everyone is trying to make assumptions, and this goes around college football, about teams quick this year. But it's like, guys, this is a year you can't. This year, right. more than any, you have to wait. Just like Michigan. After week one. Fun roller coaster oh, ride we were on there. Look how good they are. They're They're – I heard the promo for Fox, which is funny. During their game, they're promoing that that's going to be the big noon game. And Michigan's explosive offense. I'm like, explosive offense? You scored 21. Or was it 24? Whatever it was. I'm like, They scored a few against, you know, the vaunted Minnesota Golden Gophers, Randy. Yeah. Who 
just choked it off against Maryland. That's why I'm like, st- let's all just sit back and wait about four or five games before we crown anyone anything. And it's what I've been saying about Oklahoma. I didn't think they were as bad as people thought, but I'm not going to sit here and crown them and think, oh, they're well on their way to being the best team in the country. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, they're improving. They're doing what you want to wait and see four or five games before you try to say this team's good or that team's good. No, you're waiting to see. What is this team doing? Guess what? Oklahoma State, I haven't made a decision on where they're at either because eh, they played good against Kansas, played good against Iowa State. Let's be real. They theoretically easily could have lost to Tulsa. Right. You know, who I don't know how good Tulsa is. Everyone got all excited because they beat UCF. Hey, has anyone watched UCF this year? Josh Heupel's coaching them. Of course, they're headed down a drain. I mean, the only thing he could do as quarterback in 2000. Since then, might as well give him a clipboard and let him be the water boy. Yeah, not not been a great ride at UCF. And and like, hey, for as much as we hate on him, you have to get. I don't. I don't understand well, I why. For well, I, I was saying. I was saying. Uh, back to Tom Herman, real quick. Like, as much as we hate on him. Man literally has made a career out of being unranked and pulling the upset mm-hmm. on top 10 teams. I don't understand why people weren't like, hey, it doesn't matter how bad this Texas team is. This is the Tom Herman special. Yeah, I- I'm with you. And how many times do people, you know, not only, I don't even remember my thought, but you're right on Tom Herman. I forgot what I was going to say. He does, he makes those games and it's like he's a job saver. He yeah. knows, hey, I'm catching some heat down here, better go win this game, better go win this game. Oh, I know what I'm going to say. It's like, not only that, but how many people are like, I don't get Vegas. I don't understand it. Hey, folks, those big monstrous resort casinos in Las Vegas, they're not built because they don't know what they're doing and setting in lines. Because let me tell right. you, they may not make all their money off the sports books. They make a ton of them. They had a three and a half point game for a reason. Shout out to all you Texas Moneyline riders out there. We had a good day. I almost did. We had a good day. It was. I give it up to you. I didn't do it because Texas pissed me off early this year when I took tech on the money line. So I haven't done that. Hey, and and with Oklahoma's big win in Lubbock, you were able to forgive the Red Raiders, I hope. A a little. Yeah. Still cost me 150. But, you know, happens. Not yesterday, but. Yeah, we got you. We got you. All right, Randy. I think that's about all we got today. Like we said, it is Kansas week. So expect a lot of more. Uh, expect yeah. a lot more Big 12 preview. Look, we'll have something for you. Tune back in on Wednesday. Look, there's plenty to talk about. We're talking to the players here this week. Um, who knows? There's something big happening on Tuesday. Who knows what we're going to get into, but we should have a lot of fun. Randy, thank you. As always, be sure you follow Randy at rj heights 1077 on twitter and me uh, at radios ryan and by the way again uh condolences to the tubs family rest in peace billy and again everyone out there let's get something named after billy the court what i don't care if it's each goal in the arena time to honor, honor the man that brought oklahoma basketball to the level that people wanted to get back to now couldn't have said it better myself until wednesday be good everyone we'll see you